Welcome to the Yanagita Podcast Show, episode 27. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, thank you for joining us on this podcast. And we're such a beautiful day today, man, in Maui, Hawaii. We're so lucky. Start the morning with some gratitude. Like this morning, I was just so thankful that we had water coming out of the shower head. Anyway, so we're going into part two of the book, Leadership Strategies and Tactics by Jocko Willink, right here. <clears throat> okay, so this is a great book. Uh, if you haven't checked out part one, I highly recommend checking out part one about leadership and all the, the difference between a good leader and all this. So here's some more strategies from the author. Page 48, <clears throat> The Power of Relationships. There was another key element to leading any exceptional team, relationships. Leadership requires relationships. Good relationships with people above you, below you, and beside you in the chain of command are critical for a strong team. The better the relationships, the more open and effective communication there is. The more communication there is, the stronger the team will be. For example, there are times when a boss is driving forward on a less than ideal path and needs to be redirected. If you have a good relationship with the boss, you can explain tactfully what you see to be errors in their thoughts and ideas. And as always, the approach you use to discuss this is important. Put the onus on yourself as to why the idea doesn't make sense. For example, you know, boss, I really want to support the plan to the best of my abilities, but I'm having a hard time understanding how to execute this part of it. Can you explain why you want it done that way so I can do it right? Now the conversation is open and you can begin to figure out why the boss's idea is what it is and what you can do to influence that idea. And real quick, Siri, what, what do you think about relationships when you just read that what, what are your thoughts about putting the onus on yourself being tactful what comes to mind i'm sorry what is what is onus onus is like put the responsibility on yourself instead of like hey serene i don't understand why you want me to do it this way this is ridiculous okay. it's like hey serene i was just wondering uh, i was just curious why you want me to you know do editing this way so i could i just want to know why so i can do a good job mm -hmm. so that sounds much better than saying serene why do you want it done this way because this is just crazy it doesn't make sense to me yeah, it's, it's, you have to understand their viewpoint so you can get a sense of what the situation is. So you're not just demanding everything. Not just demanding. Yeah. I like that. I think it's the word choice too. Like, choice. especially like if you're just yelling the whole time. Yeah. Nobody wants to work with you and you're not going to have a good relationship. So Exactly. You're not going to have good progress in your, I guess. Whatever the project is. Yeah, like. the project yeah. and such. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, if someone's just like getting all snappy, mm -hmm. because I've, I've, I've done both in terms of like with former bosses. I've had a boss where I had a pretty good relationship. And I remember, because I would see my coworker just start snapping at the boss. You know, this is crazy. Why didn't you let us know X, Y, and Z? You should have let us know. This is stupid. Uh, this is this is dumb. I don't know why you want us to clean this way. And because this is a better, you know, man, it was crazy. It was pure antagonistic. Nothing good happened. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> later, 
I think it was a day or two later, I'd talk to the boss. Uh, I'm not gonna say, I'll change your name. Hey, hey, Sandra, I was wondering, um, I was just really curious. I, cause I'm, I'm still kind of new here. I'm only six months in. I, I was curious, why do you want us to clean this certain way? Because um, it just seems like it would take more time and take more resources and X, Y, and Z. And I, I was just curious because I want to do a good job mm -hmm. for the customers that come in. And so I was just, just curious, you know, why you want it, why you want it done this way? And immediately, instead of confrontation and her getting defensive, it was like, oh, you know what? That's actually a good question. So here's why. And, you know, we're going to get better cleaning. We want to make sure we disinfect everything thoroughly that X, Y, and Z. It smells a certain way. It looks a certain way. The, the dishes are set a certain way to be presentable, X, Y, and Z. And although I didn't agree 100%, it at least made some sense to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well, th that sounds good. And that's the main outcome. Whether I'm talking up to my boss, my landlord, my whoever, I always want to figure out why they're telling me something, but not in a mean way, mm -hmm. not in a way where it's like, you know, this is stupid. Why are we even doing it this way? Because what my ego is going to say, well, I know how to do it better. I know how to clean it better. You know, you know, because that's just my ego talking yeah. versus like, you know what? I'm just curious, uh, you know, why? So I like that, Sri. It's a good point. Going back into the book, page 49. <clears throat> Ask yourself some simple questions. First, how much will be gained by approaching the boss and trying to convince them to change their plan? If the difference is minimal, it is probably not worth, in, not worth investing any time or effort into. Next, ask yourself how much of your concern is just your ego. There is a chance that you see your way of doing something as smarter or more efficient than what the boss has offered. Just kind of like what we just touched yeah. on, right? <clears throat> if that is the case and you don't truly think there is much to be gained by using your method, let it go. Don't create drama over your ego. Lastly, ask yourself if you will be moving your relationship forward with your boss or backwards by raising this issue. This is important because you should constantly be trying to build that relationship. You are not building the relationship so that you can garner favors from the boss. No, you are trying to build a relationship so the boss trusts you and will listen to you so you and the team can more effectively accomplish the mission. For these reasons, choose your battles carefully. And you know what? And that's, that is so true. So because sometimes I've seen so many drama in the workplace occur because people's ego yeah it's like <laughs> i don't think we should clean the windows this way because you know we have to clean windows mm -hmm. and uh, i don't agree that you know we should do circles i think we should just go up and down mm -hmm. it's like these little things is that worth getting it like is that worth it like well i think i think we should clean up and down what the boss wants us to do and make circles is just ridiculous it's, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not as efficient it's not as whatever and what does that do? You just create an antagonistic relationship over my own ego. And so that's a good point. Don't create drama over your ego. And also asking yourself, will this move it forward or backwards? Because there are some times where bringing up a situation actually can benefit them, right? So for instance, if I ask about a procedure at the workplace, uh, hey boss, I was just curious. Hey Sandra, I was just wondering, um, you know, about this particular part of the procedure, 
I am having a really hard time why you want or the corporate <clears throat> wants us to do it this way. I, I'm just curious. Well, you know, that's actually a good point. So we actually don't really follow that specific step to the T. And I'm actually glad you brought this up because here's how we kind of, we do a little bit differently at our Wailuku location. Mm -hmm. Got it. And then that actually brought us closer. I'm like, oh, we're on the same team. Yeah. Cool. And so that's actually a really good point. So I like that. Choose your battles carefully. And sometimes if, if she wants us to, you know, bag all the trash and say, okay, I want you to get the trash in this particular order, go around or, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, no, I think I should just throw it out one at a time first and combining it all together. I mean, that, that's just ridiculous, right? Something as simple as throwing out the trash. Like, all right, got it. Because at that point, we're storing up relational capital, right? Leadership capital, so that if something major happens, we can bring it up. That like something major would be along the lines of someone's sick or I'm sick. And I, they know that I'm a go-getter and all that, but I'm just sick that day. And so they're not going to bite my head off because yeah. they know I'm that go-to guy, yeah. right? And so going back to the book, I think it talks about this. <clears throat> it is obvious that building a trustworthy relationship with your superiors is important. But how do you do that? One of the simplest ways is obvious, but it often gets overlooked. That is performance. Your boss expects you to complete certain tasks, so complete them. Do them on time, on budget, and with as little drama as possible. Get the mission done. This includes doing things you might not be in 100% agreement with. I did this throughout my career and it always served me well. Boss wants me to fill out some extra paperwork, I'll do it. Boss needs me to cover a shift for someone else on the team, I've got it. Boss needs me to clean up some administrative mess that got spilled, I'm on it. Boss has a nasty low reward mission that needs executing, I'm all over it, boom. And with each of those problems, I am the solution. With each problem I solve, the level of trust the boss has in me goes up. And I will continue on that path. I won't complain or try to shift bad jobs onto someone else or even look for some kind of praise. I will simply put my head down and do the work. Over time, my boss will know that I am the person who can make things happen. And more important, I gain clout with the boss. This is the opposite of the subordinate who complains and objects or always thinks he has a better way to do things. He loses influence with the boss every time he opens his mouth. Any objection from that subordinate is seen by the boss as another typical excuse. The more you talk, the less people listen. That's a good point. And so going on that, what, what, what came to mind talking about that part? I was thinking, like, you know how, like, when you finally get that relationship with your boss, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's that other subordinate that's always objective. You kind of become the middle ground for them. It's like, it's like that, um, that subordinate is like, oh, why do they do this? And you have to explain it to them. And then, like, the boss is like, why do they do this? Like, oh, because they're, they just don't understand. You got to, like, become the middle ground for both of them. The so mediator. That's, yeah. That's what I was just... Yeah. And how do you handle that? 
don't know. If you're the mediator. I mean, like, you don't so want like, what's the situation? What's the situation? Give us an example. People are curious. What's the example? I don't know. What what example? <laughs> I mean, like, okay, say the, the cleaning situation. <clears throat> it's like, oh, uh, you have a good relationship with your boss. And also, like, you have a good relationship with your, like, colleagues, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, the colleague is like complaining like oh why do i have to do it this way and then you ask yourself to the boss like oh why do we do it this way and it's like oh because we do it. he they ex- the boss explains it nicely to you but when the subordinate tries to like ask the boss but all with nasty in a nasty way they're like oh because um, like they get defensive and stuff but then so then you have to become the middle ground of like nicely explaining to both of them of what, explain, like clearing the situation and clearing the air of why Mm-hmm. They like don't understand or like why they do this a certain way. So like, I don't know. I like that. <laughs> I was just thinking you just become the middle ground of everything. And guess who that middle ground person is? That's the leader yeah. in that situation, right? Because that's the leader. <clears throat> the leader is collecting information from both parties, yeah. right? <laughs> Finding common ground. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, so that girl who is always you know objecting to your ideas, boss, you know, she means well, because what is the overall objective here? We want the best possible, you know, health and safety procedures for our customers that come in to eat. So, you know, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's actually a good point. So even if I felt like I was in the middle, it was always like a privilege to be able to be like that, that yeah. leader without a title. Because mm-hmm. I was six months in, I was a new guy. Mm-hmm. And these guys have like five years, 10 years, whatever experience. I'm six months. But I would do it in such a tactful way of like not being just not jabbing them in the heart but like hey man we want the same thing right we want we want the best for the customer Mm -hmm. we want the best experience for them and we want them to feel safe that's and everybody agrees with that right nobody's like well yeah i don't you know nobody's gonna say we don't want to be we don't want the customers to be safe you know nobody's gonna say that (laughs) so that's where the middle ground is and then you're right you move forward good stuff so this is actually a good point too. going back in to the book. The boss also knows that if I do raise an objection, it is likely to be founded on solid facts that should be considered. Since I get things done and don't constantly voice my objection, the boys, the boys, the boss actually listens. I always utilize this strategy with my senior leadership and it worked well. I would simply make things happen as often as I could. But how does this appear from the perspective of your subordinates? For instance, if I recognize that there are certain flaws in my boss's plan, then my subordinates certainly recognize the same thing. What do I tell them? How do I preserve their respect if they think I can't see the errors the boss is making? The answer is simple. I tell them the truth. Hey team, I know there might be some better ways to skin the cat, but at this point, the effort to change the plan would take almost the same effort that it will just to get the job done. So we are just going to do it. And let me tell you what else we are going to be getting done by doing this. We're building trust with the boss. Every one of these little tasks from him that we crush allows him to trust us more and more. And that gives us the ability to be listened to. So when something comes up that really doesn't make sense, he will listen. And that is why we are going to execute this plan to the absolute best of our ability. What do you think about that, Serena? That's some, that's some good stuff right there. That's right. That's kind of what we were talking about. What we were just talking about. Yeah. 
I guess you just really have to choose choose your battles, basically. Choose the battles. Yeah, because yes. see which one's worth to put up and not. And that will help you excel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's a good point because it's about like your example, like the one you brought up uh, earlier about it wouldn't make sense to argue over cleaning windows. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think we should clean up and down. No, we should just do circles. Oh God, you know, it makes no sense to like argue about that when the task might literally take two minutes. Yeah. But you might spend two minutes bickering, mm -hmm. right? Versus something as major as maybe the way we greet customers. Mm. Oh, okay, now, you know, we can bring something. Oh, I think we should do X, Y, and Z. So that's actually a good point. And the, the good thing about if you are the go-to person of like, you know what, I'm gonna get it done, right? Then, you know, they're gonna listen to you. Yeah. Same, with per, uh, same with fitness and working out. When I was working out and my coach and my professor would, he, they would same thing. They're pretty, pretty old school, hard guys. And they're like, you know, we don't want to hear any excuses. <laughs> you know, you're going to show up, you're going to work out, you're going to get after it. And that's it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, got it. So I would be quiet. Even if I didn't agree with how they were going to train me a hundred percent, nobody agrees a hundred percent, right? Everybody might agree with 81%, 74%, 50%, 92, whatever. But even though <clears throat> there were exercises and things that I didn't want to do, right? Because maybe, maybe my ego would say, oh, it's going to make me look bad because, yeah. oh, I don't know how to do this exercise. So mm -hmm. I'm going to look like a beginner. So my ego doesn't like that or whatever it might be. I would never complain. I would just be like, yes, coach, I got it. The few times, uh, the one time I was injured in Florida, they actually listened to me seriously. Versus these two brothers, they're always complaining about everything. Oh, the weather sucks. This sucks. It's, it's too hot. It's too this. I'm too sweaty. All whatever, mm -hmm. random stuff to complain. So the coach, you know, and our professor would just look at us. I look at them and like oh, another excuse. Versus me, hey, any questions? Just no. Got it. This looks good to go. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do this workout. Thank you so much. Boom, crush the workout. How was it? Wow, that was a great workout. My arms are toast. My legs are, I can't, I can't even walk. Mm -hmm. Good, good young man, you know. And, and shout out to Chris Williams, episode two of the podcast. So that was an incredible moment. And like what it's saying, the one time I brought up an injury, I remember because my lower back was, uh, I tweaked my lower back mm -hmm. from jujitsu practice. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do the prescribed squats that they wanted me to do. And I just went up to him, hey, hey coach, uh, you know, I, I'm not one for excuses. You know, like I love to just attack the weights and just, you know, get after my workouts. But I'm just being completely honest today. Like my back is just, I feel like I'm gonna, I'm impending an injury. Like I'm gonna tweak my back if I do the squats, the heavy squats. And immediately they don't look at it as an excuse. They're like, oh, well, this guy always just gets it done. So actually, you know what, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like what, what happened to your back? Boom, I'm listening to Versus like the other guy, oh, 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 I ate too much food. Suck it up, buttercup, get it done. Oh, I ate too much food, I'm gonna get stomach pain. That's your fault, go, go, get, it, go get the work, right? Versus that guy. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was like that only one or two times over the whole time I was there, I actually brought something up. So they actually was like, you know what? 
actually don't work out your legs, stretch your back out, you know, do these four stretches instead, do this, this, and this, and then just do your upper body today. Mm. Okay, got it, that, that makes sense, perfect. And mission accomplished. Yeah. Because what's the mission of that process? The big picture is to get a workout in mm -hmm. while not getting hurt, while also learning. So the little tactical things of do this, do this exercise, do this, we should do this a certain way, we should do that a certain way, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The big picture is workout. Same with the job. Big picture is clean the windows. Doesn't matter if I go left or right, up and down, circles. Main thing is get the windows clean, right? So I personally don't like, you know, bickering too much about like the, the small tactical stuff. Yeah. Oh, I think you should use, you know, I think you should edit like this. I think you should film like this. Well, I think, you know, I don't, I don't like doing that. I'm like, okay, well, here's the big picture. Um, and yeah, just let me know how you want to do it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> it's like, and I was like, oh God. So that's a good point. And then here we go back to the book. That is the truth. And the team should understand that perspective. Of course, there is a dichotomy balance with this. If something that makes no sense whatsoever comes down the pipe, it might be time to present some objections to the boss. If you don't, the team will recognize your failure to speak up and you may start to appear as a pushover. You will seem like a leader who simply obeys every command from the boss without any pushback at all. This is bad. Not only down the chain of command, but also up the chain. Simply being a yes man all the time is not good. A good boss should hear and welcome any and all feedback or criticism of their plan. Now, that isn't always the case, but if you have gained clout with the boss and you can talk to them, you can present your case against their idea or plan and they will listen. So ultimately, this leads back to the beginning. One of the most powerful tools you have is a good relationship with your boss. And it doesn't end with your boss. Solid relationships up and down the chain of command are the basis of all good leadership. Dang. What do you think about that? Um, okay, I just I just thought of this. What if your boss doesn't listen to you even if you try to ask nicely, you know? Like you're just like, Ooh. oh. Why are you why are you asking? Just do it this way, you know. Right. I just thought of like what. I know that's not a good boss in general, but like, what happens if that's the type of boss you're dealing with? That's a good question. So the first thing I'd probably bring up is. The first thing I'd ask is, what is your main objective again? Like, well, the main objective is to, let's just say we gotta we gotta sell. Uh, so many cars. Mm. I, I, we just need to sell. We just sell cars. Okay, got it. But uh, I was just wondering, um, do you think if we keep doing what we're doing, we're gonna get different results? So I'm gonna start leading my boss. Yeah. Like honestly, <laughs> you have to like, start. Honestly, you can do that with your landlord. Mm -hmm. You can lead up the chain. You can lead your mayor, your your representatives, your governor. You can lead anywhere up the chain if you do it tactfully and mm -hmm. humbly. As soon as I go to anybody in government or landlord or my boss, and I'm like, well, this isn't the most optimal way to do it. They're, they, they're gonna get defensive. Well, no, it doesn't matter, just get it done. Especially if they're kind of that yeah. person. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go to them, even if they're like, they're egocentric, you know, boss, <clears throat> so this is what, probably what I would say. <sighs> you know, boss, I really appreciate all that you do 
And you know, I'm not even actually sure like what you go through. You must go through a lot of stuff worrying about the finances and keeping the lights on and doing all this stuff. And you know, I'm just over here. I just want to really do a good job for the people who are buying our products. And I was curious to you, does it matter if I exceed, if I meet and exceed the goals that we have? Would you be, would you be, would you be mad if we exceeded the goals, but I did it a little bit different than how you wanted me to do it? Most likely they will not say no. They might be like, well, I don't trust you or, you know, and whatever. Mm-hmm. But say, please just give me this one shot. If I fail, I'll just do it how you want me to do it. But if I meet and exceed the goal, then, you know, we got something that works. Most likely they will say yes to that. You know, just if you go with the overall objective, because what is your overall objective? We want to sell a hundred of this. Okay. Well, if I sell a hundred or even more than a hundred, but I do it a little bit differently because it might be good for me. Are you going to be mad? No, I won't be mad. Almost every boss won't be mad if you hit their quota. That's true. They won't. The only reason why they think I-, I want you to do it X, Y, and Z is because maybe this is a perspective from a boss. Maybe they got results doing it that specific yeah, way, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's like maybe you made the best cake. So I want you to follow the recipe to make the same cake. Versus thinking outside the box. I want you to make the cake exactly the same way, which is not a bad idea. But if you say, well, can I try to make a cake that if I sell more of this, can we keep it and we make more money selling this type of cake? Can we add it to our inventory? Well, uh, maybe we'll see, you know, but yeah, just try it anyway. I'll give you two weeks to do it. Yeah. And then you have your shot. And if you, like what this says, if you produce results, if you're productive, you garner that. And then now it's like, oh, actually, hey, so boss, we we, we crushed our quota. Look, we, oh my, wow. Hey, this is the first time in nine months we passed our quota. How did you do it? They're going to be curious how you did it. That's true. So that's the kind of approach I would go in a very tactful way where you're actually complimenting them. Because that's what we do as a team. We complement each other, whether physically, verbally, or doing stuff together, mm-hmm. right? And and the only thing that bothers some people about giving compliments is their ego. My ego might be like, well, I don't want to compliment our mayor. I don't want to compliment my landlord. I don't want to compliment my boss. Yeah. I don't want to compliment my teacher, my mentors, mm-hmm. whoever. It's like, why, why are you leaving compliments? Because they're giving us, whether we believe it or not, they're giving us compliments by they're complimenting our downfalls, our blind spots, right? They're like, hey man, you know, and they're complimenting us in an environment where we can do a good job. So that's a good one. So that's a, that's a good point. And so the next part I want to go over Oh God, this is a good one. So play the game. <sighs> so you have to play the game. To be more specific, you have to play the long game. No one wants to hear this from me, especially from me. People don't want to hear about building relationships. They want me to say, you achieve victory through blunt force trauma. <laughs> if someone gets in your way, go through them. Any political situation that is not turning out how you want it can be solved with a battle axe. Okay, you know, and I was just trying to make a jocko at that point. That's pretty good. So 
That type of hyper-aggressive, take-no-prisoner mentality is certainly simple and straightforward, which is often the kind of leadership advice people expect from me and what they want to hear. Because that advice, because that attitude is so simple and straightforward, it hardly seems it could fail. And often, that attitude doesn't fail, at least not at first. A heavy-handed and hostile approach usually works for a little while. You may be able to bludgeon people into doing what you want them to do for a day or two, maybe a week, maybe even a solid few months. Perhaps you can force a couple of projects through completion through ruthless and aggressive offense. But those successes will be short-lived as you trash relationships, burn bridges, and leave scorched earth in your, earth, uh, in your wake. You will soon look up and realize you are done. You have destroyed everything for short-term gain. You have nothing left. Don't do that. Instead, you have to play the game. That means I try to support my boss and perform my duties to the best of my abilities. In playing the game, I am building up trust with my boss. I am building a relationship. Why is it so important to build a good relationship with my boss? Is it so I can get promoted? Is it so I can get assigned easier tasks? No, I am trying to build a relationship for my, I am not trying to build a relationship for my own personal gain. I'm trying to build a relationship with my boss so we can better accomplish the mission. And playing the game doesn't only go up the chain of command. It also goes down the chain of command too. When you're the boss and your subordinates come to you objecting something to someone, uh, objecting something, you say, listen and ask for alternatives. And when they give you a decent one, say yes and utilize the alternative. Even if their alternative doesn't seem quite as effective or efficient as your methodology, let them do it. This builds the trust and relationship with the people below you in the chain of command. As often as you can, listen and say yes. Eventually, when a subordinate from the team comes to you with an idea that doesn't make sense, you can say no and they won't begrudge you for it. You simply explain the issues with their idea and why you aren't going to do it that way and they will be okay with it. And that's a good point, right? Because if, like, let's say if I had a boss that typically would be open to my ideas, mm -hmm. hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about uh, using this tool, this equipment, whatever? Oh, okay, I think that's pretty cool. Got it. Uh, what do you think about doing it this way? Uh, I think that's cool. Let's do it. Boom. Even if in my own head, it's like, I don't think it's 100% optimal. If it's 70, 80%, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I think we could do it that way. Uh, how, how do you think about this? Pretty good. Can we just change this one thing? Or And then when something really crazy happens, like, yeah, hey, I think we should buy this $3,000 thing. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, actually, actually. And then tactfully explain. And they're not going to hate you for it yeah. because you've said yes so much times. It's like, Oh, that's the one time they said no. And that's the big thing, right? It's just like getting it done. It's with my boss, with my landlord up, but also down, yeah. right? Like if I was a supervisor or something, that's the same way I would be. Hey, can I, you know, can you take my shift for me? Yes. Can you show up on this day? Yes. Can you do this for me? Yes. Can you, can you, can you do this? Whatever. Oh man, actually this one, I can't because I have my family birthday dinner. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're not going to hate you for that. But if you always say no, 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 right? They aren't willing. Yeah, and that's why if you accept responsibility mm -hmm. and tasks a lot of the times, and that one or two times you say no, it's all good.
You're not gonna hate you. Sure. So I love that. Play the game. So here's another one that I really wanna get into. This is the one. Subordinate your ego. Okay. <laughs> so. This is really good. Yet? This is page 73. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 72. Okay, so Jocko. The first day we met with the senior executives from the company, I was very impressed with them all. The COO was smart and capable. The CFO was out of central casting, astute and detail-oriented. The CTO, the HR lead, and the rest of the senior executive leaders were solid. Then I met the CEO. I had done my research, and on paper, he appeared to be the best of the best. He was an NCAA college athlete. He went to an Ivy League school for his MBA, and he was young, not even in his mid-30s, but he was already running a $100 million company. He was also physically impressive. He was at least six foot five and had to be 250 pounds of solid muscle. That's a big guy. <laughs> but it wasn't only his physical size that was big. As soon as we shook hands, I realized his ego was also massive. The look on his face screamed, I'm better than you are. And I could almost feel him bowing out his chest like a teenage boy trying to act tough. I felt an immediate tension from him borderline smugness as he looked down his nose at me. No big deal, I thought, as I looked at him. I dealt with many big egos, both in the military and in the corporate world. But as soon as I realized that this case would be particularly challenging, every comment he made was haughty and arrogant. Anything I said was greeted with a superior look of, I already knew that. I thought he would open up some of my ideas as the day went on, but he didn't. His conceit and condescension hit me like a baseball bat with every word he almost spoke. We finished out the day with the senior executives. And the next day, we met some of the mid-level managers and frontline leaders. I dug around a little bit as we talked to them, looking for some dirt on the CEO to see what we thought of his overly prideful attitude. But none of them made any statements against him. In fact, most said they liked and respected him. Oh, he's got them all fooled, I thought. Once we wrapped that up, we departed the company and began to formulate our plan for the next steps. As I thought about this discrepancy between the CEO's attitude and his team's assessment of him, I began to think he was probably just having a bad day when we met. Perhaps something had made him mad, a missed deadline, or a failing project. <clears throat> and that anger just seeped over into his attitude toward me. That had to have been the case, I thought, especially because I pride myself on being able to get along with any, anyone. And I certainly couldn't see why he had any legitimate reason to treat me with such an egotistical attitude. I figured the next time we went out to work with him, he would step down from his high horse and treat me with respect. I was wrong. Again, everything was great with the rest of the senior leaders, and we showed up to begin the leadership training for the team. They were happy to see us and excited to start the program, except him. Ooh. I'm curious, Aaron, what would you do in this situation? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do what he's doing. I ask around, like, why is he, why is he like this? Or like, see what they think of him, you know, so I can get a better understanding. But I'd still be kind of like, why is he like that with me? But yes, I'd probably kind of look at myself like, how did I act with him? <laughs> like, 
mm, did I act around? Did I walk around with an ego myself? Yeah, did I <clears throat> like I walked around with an ego or not? You know? Yes. Back to the book. When we shook hands, I could feel his conceited self-importance. What the hell is wrong with this guy? I wondered. As I kicked off the first training session, his attitude didn't budge. As I explained leadership principles, he listened, but at the same time, he tried not to seem too interested. He looked at his phone, whispered to a few people, even got up and walked out for a few minutes as if everything he was doing was infinitely more important than the lessons I was teaching. When I was done with the first session, Leif took over the second session. I sat there looking at this egomaniacal jerk, wondering how he ended up this way and why he couldn't see how much of a pompous blowhard he was. I tried to figure out and handle the problem he had. How could he be so egotistical? How could he not see his own arrogance? Then I thought a little deeper. How was it that his fellow executives didn't seem bothered by his ego? How was it that his frontline leaders didn't see the same conceit and self-importance that I saw? Wait, I thought. Is it possible the problem is me? It hit me like a bolt in lightning. Could it be my ego causing this problem? Was there a chance that my fragile self-image could be threatened by this beast of a human being? Who is not only physically gifted in size, strength, and athletic ability, but also an extremely smart, bold leader and who was running a $100 million company all at the age of 32? Was there a chance that my ego was intimidated by all this and that I was the one acting like an idiot? Of course. Now that I saw what was happening, it was obvious. Our two massive egos were bumping into each other and causing friction. During the next break, I approached him and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute outside? He gave me a smirk and then sneered, sure, you're gonna give me some coaching? With utter contempt in his voice. When he heard the word coaching, I motioned outside with my head and walked toward the door of the classroom. <clears throat> he followed me. We walked down the hallway to get out of earshot of the rest of the team. I stopped, turned around, studied his, studied his face. Man, he had looked like he had, I had asked him to step outside for a fight. Well, he finally said, I smiled. Well, I replied, I just wanted to give you a quick assessment of everything I've seen so far. Your leaders are solid, your company has great morale, and they really understand the mission here. His, chain, his face changed slightly. He looked a little disarmed. This was not what he was expecting. But the most impressive thing I have seen here so far, as I continued, is you. You are smart, you have great presence, everyone here really understands your vision. It is obvious that everything great I see at this company is a reflection of your leadership, which is outstanding. And it is no surprise, you played ball in college, you, you have the Ivy League education, you stay in great shape, and you've built this powerful company. It is impressive to say the least, I have nothing but respect for you, what you have done, and what you are going to do. By the time I finished that last sentence, his face had completely changed. The arrogance disappeared and was replaced with a humble, almost bashful face. No way, he blurted out, I'm just a business guy. You are the one who deserves respect. You spent your whole life in the SEAL team. You rose up through the ranks. You led men in combat in an incredibly hard environment. That is what deserves respect. <laughs> we both laughed as the tension between our egos disappeared. Our relationship turned 180 in a matter of seconds. We walked to the classroom and he was fully engaged in everything I said about business, leadership, and life. He even began chiming in and relating his own experiences to support principles I was touting. Problem solved. How had I done it? Simple. 
as soon as I was able to detach and recognize that this was a clash of egos, all I had to do was humble myself for a minute. I had to subordinate my ego to allow the tension to break. Once I did that, the problem was solved. Ego is like a reactive armor. The harder you push against it, the more it pushes back. If I had confronted the CEO about his attitude and told him he had a big ego, he would have dug in even deeper. So I did the opposite. I disarmed his ego by subduing my own. What do you think, Serena, of this so far? Like, it's yeah. a good point, right? It's, if we think someone has a big ego, what do you do? I mean, yeah, look at yourself. It's like, why do I think like that if everyone else is thinking he's amazing? Like, he, he I could kind of like tell it's like he's saying like, oh, how come he's not respecting me kind of thing? It's like, wait, why do I expect that from him or something like that? You know, mm -hmm. even if I haven't even really gained his trust or not. So I don't know. Yeah. And he just created a good relationship with them. So, I mean. Have you had a situation where you, where, you, where you felt like someone had a massive, I mean, I'm sure we all do, right? Because we're all human and everybody's out there. But we were time where you're like, oh my God, is the guy has a big ego. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what you did? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <clears throat> I either avoided them. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was the type of situation where I had to approach them in any way. So. Got it. But like, I guess it's this situation... Yeah, I don't know. Have you encountered anything? Lots. So whether it's at business conferences, whether it's politicians, and I would think like, how does this guy have a big ego? This guy's a politician. He's, he's supposed to be, you know, my ego is getting fired up. <laughs> well, you know, why is this guy so egotistical? He's supposed to be serving us, yeah, the yeah. people. Mm -hmm. That's my ego talking, mm -hmm. right? So, and then I shook this person's hand freaking just the self-importance of like, I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. And shake his hand, oh, who are you? I'm like, you're below me. Yeah. And like that attitude. And I had two options. I could have been like, oh, who do you think you are? And just attack on that. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, who do you think you are? You know, like that. Or I want this approach. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna use a fake name. Hey, you know what, Jimmy? Yeah, I just wanna say, dude, I really respect what you do because I can't imagine how hard it is to make the decisions that you have to make for our community. And because of that, I assume there's a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't know. So I just want to acknowledge you for all the stuff behind the scenes that you do all the time, effort that's not seen on TV. And so, you know, I have a lot of respect for you. Instantly, the guy's face, this guy was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just a public servant. Immediately, the thing disappeared. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I'm just a public servant. I actually work for you and our community. Mm. Instantly, mm -hmm. tension gone. Mm -hmm. Because what do we have to do? I have to check my own ego first. Very easy for me to be like, oh, who do you think you are? And, you know, you should, you should respect me. Yeah. Don't we all think that? Yeah. Oh, well, they should respect me first. Well, I'm not going to give respect if they don't respect yeah. me. That's such an egotistical answer. Yeah. I used to say that. Mm -hmm. Why should I show him respect if he doesn't show me respect? If we all thought that, nobody, nobody would, would do it. Yeah. Exactly. It would be terrible. Be terrible. <laughs> so, back to the book. Finishing out, ladies and gentlemen. Subordinating your ego is actually the ultimate form of self-confidence. And I believe that's true. This level of confidence earns respect. So while the initial thought or feeling might be that you back down, you've actually shown you have the strength and confidence to give the other person credit. 
and they will recognize and respect that confidence consciously or subconsciously. And that's the truth. To put your ego in check, to subordinate your ego, you must have incredible confidence. If you find you cannot put your ego in check because you are afraid it might make you look weak, then guess what? You are weak. Don't be weak. Subordinate your ego, build relationships, and win the long game. End of the chapter. Boom. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is some good stuff. And going on that, I believe that's true. Because the person that's insecure, what do they do? They dress flashy. What does an insecure person do? They dress flashy. They look rich. They do this. They, you know, whatever. And they might start having like that, that, that arrogance. Oh, I'm better than you. I drive a nicer car. I do this. I do that. The real confident person doesn't care what they look like, right? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I apologize. They do care what they look like. They'll take pride in what they in what they look like, but they won't go to the point of showing off, because they don't need to show off for other people because you're confident internally. Yeah. They don't need external, right? And so, same thing with when you're having a conversation. The real leader is the one who's able to check their ego and say, you know what? Hey man, thanks for all you do. I really appreciate all you do. You know, like despite your schedule, you're super busy. I don't know what you're doing, um, but behind all this and this, you still make it happen and you still get it done. And our, you know, our now audience wins. It's a real state. It's real. That's a real one. So, so something like that, right, Serena? It's like it's legit, and it's completely honest. Mm -hmm. Versus like, you know, if I'm always just nitpicky, I'm like, Serena, you know, like versus like, there's got to be that balance, right? And so. I truly believe that it's the real confident person because when I met a super confidence business guy, okay, I had no idea this guy was the biggest CPA firm in the state of Hawaii, a uh, multiple million dollar company, I think eight figures, uh, tens of millions. Okay. <laughs> and he strolls up Siri, in a 1999 <laughs> car. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. I, I hope people listen to this because this is a great one. Maybe this might be the clip. Okay, this guy, I'm not gonna say his name, very private guy. He's a multimillionaire, okay, rich guy. But I never knew that. Nobody knew that. He rolls up in a 1999 car, okay, one more time, because that threw me off. He shows up in a regular t shirt, bust up, bust up tennis running shoes, mm -hmm. and uh, like regular shorts. No branded names, no Lululemon, no Under Armour, none of that. Just generic clothes, this decamillionaire, okay? And I had no idea. And immediately he comes in, we do personal training workouts. After about a week or two, he subordinates his ego to me. I knew he was a more confident person at the point. Hey, Just, I, I just want to let you know, I really appreciate your positivity, your energy, what you folks do at the gym X, Y, and Z. And I was like, dude, this guy just won. He, 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 <laughs> he won. He's so confident. So I asked him, what do you do? How can you afford personal training? Because we all know personal training is more expensive. Mm -hmm. It's 50, 60, 70, 80 bucks an hour, right? And he was training, uh, it was like a thousand bucks a month. And I was like, how are you working out at 10 a.m.? You know, what do you do? I was curious. I said, oh, you know, he's so humble about, ah, I, just, I just run my own CPA thing. Oh. What, okay, uh, what do you mean? And then he invited me to his office. Oh. <laughs> he flew He flew me to the big island to try. I was like, what? <laughs> flew me to the big island. I'm like, whoa. And 
And he's so humble. We sit in coach. We sit in all this. We drive, you know, I'm like, what's the secret? Like, how are you so humble? You have all this wealth. This is a few years ago when I first met him. You have all this wealth and you decided you have a 1999 car and you just, you don't even care about your outfit. He's like, no, as long as it gets me to point A to point B and the clothes get the job done, injury free. But I probably should upgrade my shoes, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think of, you know, you know, but it wasn't expensive, 40 bucks. I mean, he could afford a thousand dollar shoe if he wanted. And no, just straight up, super humble. And the things he cared about was health, family, and his team. And I was like, wow, what a great human being. That was a great example of somebody subordinating their ego to me because I was like, who's this guy? You know? And he's like, you know, I really appreciate Instantly, everything disappeared. I was like, oh my God, no, no, no. I should be thanking you, man. Like you're the one coming in. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're spending so much money. You're helping to keep the lights on. You're helping to feed, you know, my family. You're helping to, you know, all this stuff. You're going to help the education process. Like, like this is going to a really small grassroots family and team. And I just, I shot back on it. And he's like, he started laughing. I was like, this guy is super confident, man. This is crazy. He knows. <laughs> he knows what's up. That's what it's all about. And that's the confidence. That guy subordinated his ego. And I was like, man, I got to be like this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, no need to show off. No gold chains. None of this like bling bling. Mm-hmm. A cheap Seiko watch, ninety bucks. He could buy a he could buy a Rolex. Like none of that. No showing off. I would never have known he's that wealthy. And I, I love people like that. So, and versus the people who show off, they're actually not that wealthy. They're in debt. Yeah. Their car payments, they owe the you know they owe a loan. All the anyway, that's another topic. But <laughs> don't show off. Right, subordinate the ego, mm-hmm. play the long game, build relationships, and win. That's the book, guys. Get this book, Leadership Strategies and Tactics, Jocko Willink. Boom. That's the end of the podcast. Keep on fighting sickness with fitness. See you in the next episode. Like, comment, subscribe. Bye.